Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. This episode is part of a series recorded remotely in March 2020 to look at the impact of COVID-19 on brands, businesses, and... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Consumers. Hello and welcome. I'm Jane Bloomfield, your host, and today I will be chatting with three of Cantar's experts to discuss COVID-19 in the context of consumer health during the pandemic. We're going to be looking to understand the levels of health awareness, beliefs and behaviour changes during the pandemic and how behaviour and attitudes to health will shift in the future. I'm joined by a team from across continents, so remote working definitely has its benefits in this context. From China, we have Julia Liu, who is in charge of market access and health economics and outcomes research. From the UK and Europe, we have Oliver Bone, who is head of clients in Europe. And last but not least, from the US, we have Jade Kusick, who is our global chief client officer for our health division. Welcome, everyone. Julia, let me start with you. Welcome from China. Can you tell us how the general mood of the population is now in China? How normal is life for you there? So far, at this moment, I would say we've already passed the peak. So people are going back to the normal life and the normal work. So generally, people's mood are mild. And I think people also are very positive at this moment. Well, that's encouraging for, for the rest of us and markets somewhat further behind. Um, now, Julia, you and your team in China produced a, a brilliant piece of work about the Chinese public's health awareness and behaviour during what was the epidemic, but now pandemic. Could you tell us a bit more about the work? So what did you do and some of the key things that you found? Yeah, we did a survey across the country in February. At that time, it's close to the peak of the epidemic at that moment. We collected uh, 1,700 more than that uh, samples. And we have a lot of samples from Hubei province, you know, the most serious cases in China. From this survey, we found that people have the good knowledge about the disease and accept that people have no idea whether the disease can pass to others without symptoms. And also people have not very clear idea about 
the death rate of the disease. And uh, you know that uh, uh, Chinese government have done a lot of public communications and uh, public policies to constrain people's visits among people. But at that moment, there was people did very well, uh, except there are still 15% of people will visit among the population. The population at high risk pay, pay more attention to the disease, and they also have higher awareness of the protection for individuals and family. People spend about two hours every day for understanding the disease, but for those people at higher risk, they spend 2.7 hours per day. The very interesting uh, message that we got from this survey is that announcement of the human-to-human did help people to protect well by themselves compared with previously. So previously, it's just 19% people who wear uh, masks. But then it rise to 100% by the middle of February. So you mentioned, Julia, that citizens were spending quite significant amounts of time looking for information about the virus. So two hours for everybody and then 2.7 for the at-risk population. Where were they getting their information and, and what was their most trusted sources? The most trusted sources were three, but the dominant one is official media, which means like uh, CCTV, China Central TV and the uh, People's Daily those kind of media, which accounts for 91%. And the other two are specialized media and some government-relevant surveillance platform. This two represents both of them 49%. uh, And what about things like social media? Yeah, they they use social media as well, but not so high, about uh, 29% for those medias, and especially self, we call it a self-promoting social medias or private social medias. And there are some special medical uh, specialized media, uh, social media as well. 29% for the social media and 39% for the medical specialized social media. And the idea of so commercial digital health platforms, um, was that something that existed and was used before the, the pandemic? And did you see use of things like We Doctor and Ping, uh, a good doctor, playing a, a different role as the epidemic and pandemic progressed in China? Sure, sure. During the epidemic, people use a lot of the those digital medical digital platforms. And the first three are one is WeChat or Telecent medical platform, and second one is Ali platform, and the third one is uh, Pingan platform. Those three are dominated about fifty uh, percent, and there are other, so several others as well. Those platforms play an uh, increasing and important role during the epidemic for people's understanding not only about this disease and also other, for example, the chronic diseases as well. Julia, did you note any new behaviours as a result of the epidemic in China? And do you think some of those behaviours will stick longer term as, as China returns to more normality? 
Yeah, definitely. The first one I think is such a telemedicine or digital medicine、uh, should be a change in future, and also people inclined to spend more on the healthcare, and also they want to they want such kind of the vaccine in future as well, and they will also. Are more willing to spend money in insurance, especially catastrophic disease insurance. So that's a major change in future. And Jade, if I now move to you, can you tell us a little bit about the current situation in the US and how would you say that varies from that in China, especially given the context that Julia has just described? Yeah, thank you, Jane. It's、um, quite different, I would say, right now. As China, as Julia said, China's beginning to to get over that. In fact, I I read an article this morning that in tomorrow they're they're planning to open up the subway systems、uh, in the Wuhan province, which was the epicenter of the pandemic, as we all know. So it's it's quite different here in the states. We are in pretty much virtual lockdown, or as they say, shelter in place. Throughout the country, and it kind of emanated from some of the major hotspots, which were state of Washington, California, and where I am actually right now,、uh, the New York City area, which is now quickly becoming the epicenter for the United States, where over a third of the twenty-two thousand cases are right now. So it's it's quite a different experience. We are on a very Steep slope in terms of the trajectory, much like Italy is, and Ali could probably speak a little bit to the differences in Europe. But there's a lot of anxiety and trepidation. But people are doing their best to stay indoors and keep up the social distancing. And so, Ali, I think that's a good opportunity. You know, as Jay said, to hear what's happening in Europe compared to, say, the US and China as well. Yeah, sure. So. I think it's really interesting to listen to the findings. I think that obviously the the big issue with Europe is we're all at very different stages, and that's one of the challenges because you know we sit and talk with our colleagues and friends, and we see them from Italy, Spain, and and Germany, and they're all going into different lockdowns at different times. So, I think that is one of the challenges within Europe because it's a global crisis, but we all have very local procedures that we need to follow. I think what I really find interesting is the amount of time. People are spending reading up on it, looking at, looking into it, into the virus. You know, two point seven hours for those people, and I think that that's a you know, you think about all the amount of for me, it's the amount of lost time from a you know from a business point of view when we think about that, but also the amount of time that they're then exposed to all the different news, etc., and how much of an impact that's having on their mental state. And you know, we've seen in some of the figures in China, you know, eighty one percent of respondents reported feeling anxious. 50% of respondents acknowledge feeling depressed, and you wonder how that's going to then filter down across Europe. Where I think the positive thing within China is that there was the key governmental information piece was something that was number one and what everybody followed. Whereas I feel that it's a bit disparate across Europe, where of course there is individual governments, you know, broadcasts, etc., but there is a plethora of online through Twitter. Online different sites, etc. Constantly, it's like a fire hydrant, constantly pumping out news,、uh, and some of it fake news at times. And I do wonder about the impact that that will also have longer term on some of the the mental well being of the different populations, you know, across Europe, but of course elsewhere as well. Ali, I wanted to comment on on your your insight around the the communication channels、uh, from the government or from media that are happening in Europe. It's interesting in the in the United States, 
in our fragmented country that, that we have as, as it also occurred over the last few years between conservatism and, and more liberal outlets for media, there was a significant difference between Republicans of the conservative side than Democrats in terms of their original attitudes and beliefs around the severity or concern or worry around coronavirus uh, two, three weeks ago, that gap was still significant. And I think it was a reflection of the different media outlets that uh, each of those parties or the individuals in those parties uh, tend to tend to view. That gap is closing rapidly now as everyone truly begins to understand, including at the highest levels of, of government leadership in the United States, that this, this is more serious than, than we had anticipated. And unfortunately, the delay in what the U.S., how the U.S. reacted to this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Uh, I think has placed it on the trajectory that we've seen in Italy. Hopefully that will not be as severe, but uh, that's the concern. And do you think with consumer confusion or, or mixed messaging that, that might exist, there's a role for pharmaceutical companies in terms of an opportunity to provide clarity? Or, you know, is there a responsibility there for some of these organizations to help support that conversation? I, I don't know if it's really the, the pharmaceutical companies that would be responsible or would even feel obliged to comment on that. Obviously, they're rapidly trying to develop drugs in general, and a few of them are certainly, uh, and many biotechs are certainly trying to identify a vaccine for, for COVID. But I think it would be more of a, a centralized government based like organization like the CDC that should take that responsibility to give accurate information and counsel on what to do. And I guess I, I would, I, if you, I, mind, I wouldn't mind sort of getting Julia's thoughts on, um, in terms of the protective measures that people are taking. So obviously, Julie, you're ahead of us in terms of the curve. You've seen people going from shutdown to wearing protective wear to, as you said, hopefully things are starting to ease up a little bit. What sort of changes have you seen within China in, in that over that over the last I guess three months? I have to say, generally, people still uh, wear masks, uh, not necessarily for the gloves, but in some places, people start to get rid of the masks as well. Uh, I mean, in those open areas with zero uh, new cases, so people start to be released 
I think the biggest challenge right now is the shortage of personal protective equipment or PPE, particularly for those healthcare professionals on the front lines. We simply do not have enough adequate masks generally to address the number of cases that are coming in on a daily basis. So there are a huge number of efforts of companies around the globe trying to get more equipment to the front lines. And uh, in France, uh, Ali, you may know more, they're, they're starting to sew masks as part of an initiative to also help healthcare professionals who are really risking their lives every hour serving so many patients in need. You're right, Jade. I think we've seen a number of organizations switch either to producing things like hand sanitizer, or as you rightly say, um, sewing masks. Oliver, what what would you say sort of the biggest challenges in Europe are at the moment? Well, I think one of the big challenges is it's, it's, a, it's a total change in might. So, you know, let's move away from, of course, the protective mask, which is a, which is a key issue across the PPE, across Europe, across the world. We're also thinking about, you know, the mental well-being, I think, is a challenge. I think also, for, if you think about it from a European point of view, one of the big challenges that the, the stopping of movement of people, because people naturally within Europe, with all the borders that are, that are there, people are constantly, from a family point of view, from a work point of view, are just constantly used to moving across the different regions. So that stop, I think, mentally is having an impact on people. And I just think about, I'm thinking about the longer term perspective of all of this. So, you know, listening to what, before I heard from Julia today, I'm thinking, well, you know, is this going to change our mindset forever? So, for example, are people going to take the habits of hand washing, you know, and that, and maybe even wearing some of the masks? Is that going to be something that past COVID that carries on with us working from home? Are people going to realise actually now, you know, we've done it, obviously not to the scale, we don't want it, but to the scale that we're doing now, is that going to have a big impact on, on things? Healthcare appointments, obviously now across Europe, you, you know, you're being discouraged from not being allowed to go and have those face-to-face physician consultations. So now lots of things have been doing online, over the phone, etc. So whilst I don't think that there will be a full-time switch to that going forward, maybe from a positive point of view, maybe this is going to change things. Maybe some of those remote consultations can happen. It will be a change to our society. It potentially will alleviate some stress on the on the healthcare systems and could ultimately be a positive thing. I think this is a, a watershed moment for all of us. And I really believe that there is going to be some long-lasting changing in behaviour going forward. I think the area of, of more agility in healthcare provision is certainly something that will continue to be really important moving forward. And, and the idea of online and digital channels for delivering healthcare. So Julia talked about you know, the number of people using online or digital providers is certainly something really interesting. How established is that in Europe at the moment? It's getting there. It's it's been happening over the last sort of five to ten years, but it's I think to be honest, I think we've we've played at it. I don't think with the finished article. So I think this is obviously expedited things, but it's hard to expedite things sometimes when you're in a shutdown. So I really feel that as I said, this will this will change. People will realise, you know, we do need to have you know, these online consultations, we do need to improve the aftercare services, we do need to enable to get to people who aren't able to get out of their houses. And I think that we've some companies, some therapy areas have, have been good at it. But it's, you know, it's definitely not across the, across the board. So I think I really hope and believe that this will, as I said, a bit of a watershed moment, and this will change things. Yeah, I think Ali makes a really, really great point in that the use of medicine has been really low in the United States, certainly 
less than 10% of people have ever engaged in, in telemedicine. And, and I would suspect that that is going to increase significantly in the future. I think other impacts, hopefully, that will occur is that there's still a fairly decent amount of people who don't get their vaccinations because of influenza and uh, hopefully 12 to 18 months from now, the COVID uh, virus, if, if it's necessary. So hopefully an increase in vaccinations we'll consider and then just general personal health oliver and julia have been saying the increase in use of wearables i think will will continue to go up so hopefully a lot of positive things that will occur after this and i think that's probably a great point that there will be some positive things coming out of this julia i know from your research 94 percent of respondents said they'd be willing to take a COVID 19 vaccine now, so, so Jade, exactly to your point, we may see more uptake of key vaccines around the world. We may see more uptake or acceleration of online and digital channels for delivering healthcare. And we may see some longer term changes in health support and treatments. So there could well be some opportunities for organisations working within the healthcare area and some real acceleration of key initiatives. been listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com or OxfordFutureOfMarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you.